0: I was addicted to opioid painkillers and I couldn't get enough. It was ruining my life. I didn't care about anything but my next high. Real life starts now. This is Real Life Radio Show
1: with OnLay. I felt alone, I felt lost, I felt Real stories. I was so desperate in living such a dark and callous life. Real people. I was thinking there was no purpose for my life. There's no reason for me to be
0: here. Real problems.
1: I told my dad, if you try to take these drugs, I'm going to kill you.
0: One solution, God. Hope is a person and his name is Jesus. And now your host, on Lay.
1: Hi, this is Evangelist Han Lay. Welcome to the Real Life Radio Show where we're going to talk to real people who had real problems, but found answers in a real God. Today, we'll be talking about the epidemic of the addiction to prescription-level opioids, what it is doing to our society, but what it does to an individual life. Now, you wouldn't think a painkiller would be anything dangerous, right? But painkillers now are being used in an illegal way in society because of the power of this drug to activate the reward or pleasure centers of the brain. This drug is a serious problem because someone who becomes addicted to it can have this huge high from these painkillers. It can lead to an addiction despite the consequences of the behaviors used in order to get that next high. The reason why it's so dangerous is because of the unusual overdose numbers that happen with opioid addiction. Today we're going to have Luke Thompson who started smoking marijuana but then eventually got hooked into prescription drugs that he would do anything and everything to get his hands on the next high. And instead, today, he's a Christian who says that Jesus set him free from this craven need for these opioids. Luke, welcome to the show. Hey there. Luke, I'm so glad you're here with us, man. I'm glad that you made it past this opioid addiction, which I'm understanding it's quite a difficult thing to shake off. Now, when you were so addicted to these opioids, did you ever think you would get set free back then?
0: I would say when I started, it was experimenting and it kind of quickly got into where I couldn't stop. Wow. But in my mind, I would say I didn't want to stop. Like I enjoyed it so much that I didn't want to stop. Yeah. But after probably like six months or so, I was to the point where I was completely hopeless. Really? Uh, Yeah. Really kind of suicidal to the point where I was too afraid to do it.
1: So you knew that at that moment you probably could not get off. It was too much of a draw, too much of a pull. Is that right?
0: Yeah, I kind of felt like I was meant to be a drug addict my whole life, honestly.
1: Oh my gosh, that's crazy. Now, help us to understand what happened in your life for you to get hooked on these drugs. Tell us a little bit about your childhood. Did anything traumatic happen in your life that shaped you to be more susceptible to drug use, you think?
0: Well, I would say that I was raised in a broken family. My dad was in and out. That mm. was you know, really tough for me we moved quite a bit as well. So right as soon as I started to make friends, we would move. Mm. And I just kind of felt like I'd never fit in. And I would have to, you know, act one way around one group of friends and then act another way around other groups to fit in. And then what do you do when they're all in the same room? And if you're trying to be multiple people at one time, it like really creates anxiety.
1: Like a chameleon. So basically, you really crave that acceptance from people when you're younger.
0: Exactly. Yes, sir.
1: Wow. And I think a lot of people, though, have that, but maybe from the broken family, maybe you didn't get that growing up as a child. You really craved for that attention. Is that right?
0: Yeah. I mean, I just didn't know how to be a man. I didn't know how to be a boy. Like, I just didn't know. Mm. You know what I mean? I didn't have a whole lot of male figures that were consistent in my life.
1: Well, your father left you when you were like in a younger age. Is
0: that right? Well, I mean, he had his own battles, was in and out, He tried very hard. And from my perspective, being an addiction, I would probably have not even done what he did. Mm. You know what I mean? He definitely tried. I see. And made a lot of effort and he really cared.
1: But when you have that monkey on your back, you can only... So he was addicted himself. Yeah. I see. Yeah. Now, what was your first experience with drug use and what drug was it? Marijuana...
0: When I was 12, somebody left some weed at a basketball court. No way. Yeah. I mean, I knew my brother was messing around with it. and I had planned to try it sometime with him, Yeah, but it was just kind of like there. And I was like, let me try it. And I loved
1: it. So you're smoking a joint that just left out in the open. You don't even know who was smoking it and you just toked it up. Exactly. Yes, sir. Oh my gosh. So what was it like? Were you like, wow or no good? Or how did you respond to it?
0: I felt like this is what i had been missing my whole life. Really? Yeah, just I didn't care. Like I had a lot of anxiety growing up and I just didn't care. Mm. I lacked confidence and I had all the confidence in the world. Marijuana made everything seem better for a short time.
1: For a short time. So in this moment, you're like, well, I can have all this really quickly. But as a teenager, I understand marijuana became your life. And that despite getting into trouble, you still persisted in this drug use. What was the drug doing for you and why couldn't or wouldn't you stop? Yeah, I mean, I was arrested numerous times. Marijuana
0: was the only thing that really mattered to me. Hmm. Like I still cared about people and I felt bad, you know, for not being a good son or brother or yeah. nephew or friend. Yeah. But ultimately, like my life revolved around getting money to go smoke more weed to, you know, escape.
1: Wow. What was it doing for you? I mean, I know it gave you that feeling better feel, but was it doing something else for your life too, as you're growing up as a young man? So,
0: I mean, I would say, you know, if I was depressed, it would make me happy. Mm. If I was happy, it would make me happier. It seemed to make everything better from that perspective.
1: I see. So you felt like it was part of your life. You needed it. You couldn't live without it.
0: Yeah, it was my identity very quickly.
1: Now, I understand you try to hide this from your mom. Yes. Like how though? Because it smells. Yeah, it does, but cologne,
0: mouthwash, eye drops, climbing and windows, <laughs> skipping school, all that kind of stuff.
1: Okay. And your mom for a while had no clue?
0: For a short period of time, she had no clue.
1: Short period. Okay.
0: Say maybe a couple months. I was pretty slick about it. Like I wasn't like all day, every day smoking. I would, you know, try to do it at the right time that I wouldn't get caught.
1: Like before school or something like that? Or when was the times?
0: Yeah. Before school, or I would just make sure that I wasn't completely stoned out of my mind before I came home mm. or I'd wait till she went to bed. That was normally my oh. golden time yeah, and sneak out the window. And yeah,
1: I see. And what do it with your friends or sneak out the window and just do it outside with my brother oh. and also with
0: friends, whoever I see, but I like to smoke just my brother or a couple close friends.
1: Now, when you got caught though, by police, mom, you know, parents, did this change your outlook on yourself or on your future?
0: No, honestly, you know, the first time I got arrested, my mom was very upset and, you know, had very strict consequences, Wow. but I was very good at saying whatever I needed to say in order to get out of trouble. Wow. Like I wouldn't be grounded the next day, but you know, a couple of weeks and I would do all the right things and do my chores and say, I'm sorry. And that's a mistake. And, you know, just say whatever she
1: wanted to hear. Wow. Now, is that a natural personality thing that you have going on from before, like for other things? Or was it just the marijuana had that much of a pull on you that you learned it? I think
0: that I'm very convincing just naturally.
1: I see. So, you were like totally using all your skills to get to the weed, basically. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Wow. So, it seemed to be doing it for you for a while, but I understand eventually it wasn't enough and you got into prescription medicine painkillers. Tell us about that. How did that happen?
0: Uh, yes, it was either a friend got a prescription for their tooth getting pulled or I did. I see. But I know as soon as I took it, I felt like Superman. Amazing.
1: Wow. Well, because opioids, they really release a lot of dopamine, which is that feel-good drug. Yep, exactly. And dopamine is usually like when you eat or like sexual activity. That's what, you know, that part of the brain does. So basically, it was like, whoa, like this is amazing. Like, did you like it more than marijuana? Yes, for sure.
0: And I didn't really know what I was getting into. Mm. And I didn't know how to get it. So it was kind of like a gradual thing where I was doing it here and there when I could find it. Mm. But I was still pretty faithful with the
1: marijuana. (laughs) Okay. But then I understand these painkillers, they did something kind of better for you compared to marijuana use. What was that?
0: Yeah, I mean, it got to the point where I started to get sick without them. Oh, wow. Yeah, I would just have to get more and more and more. Oh, dear. I definitely would rather spend my money on the pills. And I would smoke weed to enhance the pills, but everything revolved around getting opiates into my
1: system. Wow. And so you were able to get these illegally then, is that correct? Yes. Wow. Luke, let's stop here because I want to hear more in the next show what those prescription painkillers turned you into Thanks so much for being with us today, my friend. Oh, it's been my pleasure. Hang on. Let's go deeper and talk more about this right after this short break. Listen, my friend, you are in a spiritual battle, and there's a spiritual battle right now for the soul of our nation. The Bible says we overcome the power of the enemy by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of our testimonies. And friend, I need your help spreading this show to all 50 states all across the USA, and that takes money to broadcast in each city. You can help by being a stable monthly giver of our ministry, Awakening the Nations. We are a ministry who's committed to preaching the gospel all across the world. Partner by going to awakeninthenations.com, and we believe America shall be saved. <laughs> Welcome back to the show. We're going to go deeper into what you just heard. So what do you think about this? It's crazy how someone can get addicted to something a doctor prescribes. Shouldn't that be illegal? Well, opioids were designed initially to help soldiers get through extreme pain caused by wounds in the setting of war. Now, opioids were prescribed by doctors later on in maybe lesser amounts. And how they work is that it slows down pain neurons and also releases a lot of feel-good chemicals called dopamine into the brain. Now dopamine is a drug that causes one to relax and feel, quote unquote, "peaceful" about whatever the body' doing, so it causes the body to crave that more. Normally, you know, eating or other pleasurable things cause this release of that chemical. But drugs hijack this system and cause an extreme feeling of euphoria because it's a mega release of the dopamine into the brain. Now, many people who are prescribed opioids don't ever get addicted. However, some do, and it can lead a person to death. Now, in Luke's situation, he describes it as feeling like Superman, like he was invincible. And it's no wonder because his pain receptors were being turned off. However, he probably went through something called withdrawals that made him want it more because with the withdrawal, what happens is that person goes through extreme anxiety and can feel the pain that they were feeling before, maybe even double. The sad thing is, is that Luke would never be able to totally be filled by this drug, or any other drug that he ever found. Because the truth is, nothing on this earth can satisfy. Not any food, not any experience, and definitely no substance can fulfill the human soul. Jesus reveals this in ancient scripture when he talked to the woman at the well, as it is written in John chapter 4, 13-14 jesus answered and said to her whoever drinks of this water will thirst again but whoever drinks of the water that i shall give him will never thirst but the water that i shall give him will become in him a fountain of water springing up into everlasting life you see jesus is revealing that there's something more that he can bring into our lives that will bring true fulfillment father god i'm praying for the person who is saying gosh I'm seeking through the things of this life and I'm not ever feeling truly fulfilled. What is it? Could it be this water that you, Lord Jesus, are talking about? Lord Jesus, we're turning towards you. Fill us with your spirit. Fill us with this water that you speak of in scripture, Lord. We repent of our sins and we turn to you. We ask for this in Jesus' mighty name. I hope you're blessed by this testimony and I know that your life was touched. If you want to know more about us or to make a tax-deductible donation, please check
0: us out at AwakeningDonations.com. That's AwakeningDonations.com.
1: See you next time.